On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we're talking week four of the NFL and making our picks for week number five, but we've got our first coach fired. Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans is gone. We've been talking about him for a long time in our bad coaching segment, and he finally got the axe. Some people are saying week four is a little too soon to fire a coach in the NFL. Well, here at Double Down Trent, we're saying what took so long. And if you're holding a ticket as to who is the first coach fired and you've got Adam Gase, you've got to be so mad. But Adam Gase, you are officially target number one on next coach fired right after Dan Quinn. We've got a lot to talk about, including our picks from last week. But we've got a leader in the clubhouse in our Double Down Trent Challenge. So everybody go to the website, www.doubledowntrent.com to play along with us. So stay tuned for episode 81 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host, as always. Joining me today, Mr. Model, a.k.a. Aaron. How you doing, bud? Uh, Good morning. We are recording this on a Thursday. I could not think of a better way to get this day started. I'm looking forward to going through week five of uh, NFL picks with you guys and see where we land and really just needing you guys to hold me accountable to make sure that we do the right decisions and don't miss out on some easy winners. Yep. And we're going to talk about that. You know, we, we've got this system where we got to set it and forget it. We got to just make smart picks. We cannot overthink things. So we're going to get to that. We've also got our very own NFL insider Coulter. How you doing, bud? Just like the model, I'm looking forward to week five, putting week four in the rear view. Uh, walk, went into that week with a lot of optimism, walked out not feeling as hot, but short-term memory, that's the key to, to gambling success. So on to week five, as Bill Belichick would say. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of craziness that happened week four. We've got corona, we've got weird covers, we've got stars out. It was a crazy week. It's time. We got to some coaching changes, too. Some major coaching changes, so... Our bad coaching segment is something that we've had a staple of, and on there pretty much every week was Bill O'Brien, and now he's gone, Coulter. Are you surprised by the timing? I know it's only week four, but we feel like this was something that we were calling for a long time ago. I couldn't be more happy. I've somehow been on the Bill O'Brien train every game this season, which shows you (laughs) maybe it gives you a little insight to how I'm doing so far, Uh, you know. I think I had a great 2019 to 2020 start has been a little rough. And I think Bill O'Brien is a, a huge proponent of that. I think I'm like eight points down in our pool. And half of that is because I've stuck with Bill O'Brien through the first four weeks. So I'm overjoyed that he's no longer in the league and I can no longer lose on, on Sundays with him. Yeah. And we, we've got our segment that we'll get to. Um, one thing that came out that we were all talking is we wish we'd gotten this insider information was JJ Watt had a major blow up with Bill O'Brien basically told me he's a terrible coach. Didn't know what he was doing. If that had come out against the Steelers, I wouldn't have picked the Texans in that game. I know Mr. Mon, I think you were on the Steelers that game, right? I was. Yeah. I was lucky enough to uh, let that one go for a win. But me and Coulter, we were on the Texans there to get a cover. And if that information comes out that week, I mean, it's a panic. There's no one's touching the Texans, but um, now we go. I'm beating myself over. And we're going to get to this with, you know, some of the things that we do that we like. Uh, I don't know how I look at that matchup and thought, you know, what, I'm, I'm going to avoid take Mike Zimmer, top five coach in the league, top three coach against the spread. I'm going to take Bill O'Brien, who literally was 0-3 at the time, went to being 0-4 against the spread. Uh, that's just a simple coaching matchup. You have a top five coach versus a bottom five coach. Go with Zimmer every time. Um, if you see those kind of things on paper, just know, know to pick them out. I'm really, I feel, keep kicking myself that I somehow went against Mike Zimmer uh, in that situation. I know, it's crazy. So we've got updated bad coaching standings that we're going to get to. Uh, before we jump in, though, I've got a guest who would like to say hello. 
He is part of our picking pool. My nephew, Hello. Raymond. Hello, I'm Raymond. And I pick... Wait, what? So who are you going to pick this week? We've got a bunch of games, a bunch of games that we're going to have. And who is your team that you're going to go with? Giants. There you go. Giants. We picked the Giants to cover the spread. Going again. Bold pick, Raymond. On the Very bold. That's what we got to do. You got to have bold picks. So all the listeners out there, put that in your hat. You've got the Giants plus nine and a half. If, if it makes if it makes Raymond feel any better, the Giants have been staring at me all week long with uh, deep, dark shade of red lipstick across the bar. I keep looking at them too. It's, they're, they're very they're very tempting this week. I, that nine and a half with that horrible and, Dallas defense. And here's Raymond's credentials with why he's a good picker. Uh, I'm playing football, so I I play for the Raiders and like. And I'm like, I want to pick Piers. Like, I was supposed to go on last week, but I didn't. So we've got a professional football player. He plays for the Raiders in wow. football. But he's going with the Giants. So listen, folks, he's probably going to do better than we've done this past couple of weeks. <laughs> it goes and shows it's all a dart throw, right? Yeah. And I guess that's a good segue because uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I did not take the Giants. I know, Coulter, this was your key pick was betting against the Giants. They actually hung around with the Rams, uh, but they obviously got the loss there. It was a double-digit spread, which I typically try to avoid there. Did you, were you surprised that they covered that number? You know, I underestimated the Giants' defense has been playing pretty well. I know the, the fan up here in the Northeast is embellishing it to say that it's like a top-12, top-10 defense. It's definitely not that, um, but the unit as a whole has actually played uh surprisingly well this year they've been able to hold pittsburgh in place uh for the most part they were able to hit hold the rams uh high-powered offense in place for the most part you know you see that niners game and not clearly it got away from them and that's the one where you think hey, the defense stinks but realistically their defense actually been pretty good this year um i think the the niners game you have to factor in they they had no tape on nick mullins really um and that niners run game is great um so we'll see how they do against dallas this week but I don't think the Giants defense is as bad as I thought. And that was kind of my big takeaway. And also clearly my big, one of the biggest handicaps I had in that game was I thought the Rams wanted to get margin to stay, uh, you know, keep their head up in the NFC West. They were not, they never were motivated to gain margin in that game. That was pretty much clear from the opening whistle. Um, They had a very vanilla plan. They wanted to get in and out. They want to take, they want to do as less as possible in these games against the giants and Washington football. And they just want to make sure that they are a four and one football team when they're done with these two games. So I, I don't know if the Rams are looking for margin, so to speak. Yeah. I thought they maybe just didn't get up for that game. Uh, they kind of assumed that was going to be a victory, but let's pivot to your Denver Broncos. You are the two resident Bronco fans here coming on Thursday night into New York where we were all on the jets and they just got embarrassed. I, I don't know. Are you happy about the Broncos? I, I was uh, thrilled. You know, I, I had people texting me, hey, do you want them to get the number one pick? I was like, you know what? If the path to the number one pick is losing to this Jets team on Thursday night, then no, I do not want it. Uh, you just have to have some sort of respect as a fan. And that's where I draw the line in the sand as a Bronco fan. I want to beat the Jets. I want to beat the bad teams. I don't want to lose to them on national TV. I don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, and it's especially nice when a you know third string quarterback can pick up a win on national TV because I think that increases his value down the line uh, around the league. I think we could flip Rippy in for a sixth or a fifth round pick, if, especially if he gets another win. If he could beat Belichick this week, that guy could be worth a fourth or fifth rounder. Uh, so the decision to start him actually has a really high upside if you start winning games because that guy becomes uh, a commodity around the league. And how embarrassing is that that you can bring in your practice quarterback? and actually have him perform at the level of kind of what a first rounder was doing for the Jets and Darnold. Granted, he was injured, but came back, played most of the game. I'm like, that to me is just like, you know, a really good showcase of how the Jets have missed on some of their draft picks and how it's been impacting them this year and will probably likely impact them in the years to come. Yeah, Yeah. it's just super painful that uh, Denver could come in and kind of be scrappy and make that happen. Yeah, I, I think the big takeaway, and, and maybe this is a good way to pivot to our next segment of, of the things that we like that we do as, as uh, kind of handicappers is I think the big post game we talked about it is if I had done more of an analysis on who the blue chip players were, who the 10 best players in the game, 
just do the roster breakdown, just do Broncos jets side by side. I think when we did the handicap for that game, we were focusing in on Darnold having an experience edge over Ripian, but realistically Bradley Chubb's the best player in the game. Melvin Gordon's the second best player in the game. The Broncos have a couple of other really good defensive players. Justin Simmons. They've got guys on their defensive line who can play. They have a few offensive, uh, uh, no fan. The tight end is a, is a, is a beast. Judy, or Judy, all yeah. six of those guys are better than anybody on the jets. Even Darnold included the jets just do not have blue chip talent. I can't name a guy who's a top level talent player on that team right now. Uh, and sometimes it's that simple as, as the model was alluding to, if you miss on draft picks enough, it doesn't matter what kind of edge you might have a quarterback or, uh, an environment in terms of the Thursday night game uh, with the young quarterback and Ripian those edges are completely dulled when you don't have a, uh, a roster that has capable pass catchers at receiver that has defense alignment that can and, uh, push the offensive line backward an inch or two and, and really play solid run defense. The jets don't have any of that. So I think that's an important thing to take away from that Thursday night game. Yeah. It's crazy. The talent difference was that big. And I was going back and forth on Twitter about, you know, the giants missing on draft picks, but it's even more, exorbitant and, and obvious that the jets have missed on draft. Picks. And the Broncos have missed on plenty too. We're one in three for a reason as well. But I, I just think if you do that kind of blue line assessment, especially with the COVID thing and the health, it's like you have to do who's healthy and the jets just don't have anybody that is worth a lick who's healthy right now. Yeah. And I was not sure if it was the jets or the giants, that was the worst team. But I think after that week, you got to say it's the jets. Uh, I don't even want to start going down the road of where do you go from here? And do you blow it all up with this? Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. That's something for later podcasts. Uh, but I think it's time for us because it's also a good segment for, for my lesson. So let's do, it's a brand new segment. We're going to be calling this the Omar little lesson here, Bay of the week. Okay. A little nod to one of our favorite shows, the wire. Hey, yo, lesson here, Bay. You come at the king. You best not miss. And we're going to give you guys, Basically, one of our lessons that we've learned could be from the last week, could be from the season, could be in general about our picking strategies, and then maybe peek behind the curtain a little bit to give you guys a little insight in terms of what we look for when making our picks. So, Mr. Model, you are our numbers guy, the guru. Why don't you take us off here and give us your lesson and your first strategy? Yeah. So for me, when I approach my picks, I actually try to go and use the market to my advantage and to help me kind of zero in on what are some of the more value plays. So what I tend to do is the lines typically come out for NFL early in the week. So what I end up doing is that I can compare the lines that we have locked in in our pool to the lines that are at present time. And what I really like to do is that I like to see how the lines have shifted, especially early in the week, because that to me is typically when the sharper betters will come in and place their bets and shift things. And, you know, I'll also keep an eye out toward the end of the week, but at the end of the week, you have more of the the regular public coming in and, and placing their bets and possibly moving things, maybe not. Um, but what I like to do on, on, on Tuesdays especially, even on Wednesdays, I'll see kind of how the line has shifted from where it opened to where it currently is. And to me, that is going to be an indication that the sharper bettors have moved that line uh, so, for example, right now, you know, in our office pool, Tampa Bay this week is a Thursday night game up against Chicago. That line has locked in in our pool at minus five and a half for Tampa Bay. It is now shifted all the way down to Tampa Bay minus three and a half. It has moved by a full two points. I have no idea why that line is moving. I've looked at headlines to see if anyone is out or injured. I haven't seen it. But to me, it just seems like the sharper plays are going to be on Tampa Bay minus five and a half and have moved that down. So that's one of the things that I use. How has the market, especially early in the week, shifted lines around? And are there advantage plays that I can use to my advantage when I have to lock things in come Sunday? I like it. Now, my one question for you on that one, when those numbers are changing, and we obviously in our league, we're doing set fixed lines. Do you look for that line movement in general? Or are there certain numbers that you look for? Like, are you crossing three and seven? Or is it just really any kind of line movement? It would be any kind of line movement. Obviously, you know, 
having it move across key numbers is going to be most interesting. So if it goes from like plus seven and a half to minus or plus six and a half, like obviously it moved across the seven, which is one of the key numbers. Um, but that, you know, it's more to me is just kind of how things move because in, in the pool, you know, things are always set up. So it's going to be, you know, so, Mr. Model, I have a question for for you on this one. Actually, a direct example for that seven and a half, and and this probably yeah. won't happen because I imagine the public's going to be all over the favorite here. But let's just say Seattle opens at seven and a half, and for whatever reason, the dog attracts the money and gets it down to it swings through that power number, that key number, as as Kaz was just saying, and then it's six and a half for the Vikings. What do you what do you get from that? Because clearly, the sharp money angled in on on Vikings in this hypothetical scenario. Yeah. So to me in the hypothetical scenario, I look at it as, okay, in this matchup, if these two teams were to play a hundred times, what do I think that there's any advantage in that? Maybe I think the example we're talking about is Minnesota. Do, do I think that they're going to win 54, 55, 56 out of those a hundred games? And, and if, if, if I feel like the, by this example the sharp players have moved that line from minus seven and a half to minus six and a half, that it seems like they might believe that that might be true, then that's going to give me a slight advantage if I were to take Minnesota. And in the long run, my plays will, will end up being better than um, if I had taken Seattle minus seven and a half there. I always try to think about it in like, if these two teams were to play a hundred or a thousand games, is there any little, little tidbit that I could use to my advantage there and, and come out just a little bit ahead in the long run. I like that. Yeah. Very insightful. All right, Coulter, what about you got? Yeah. Other than comparing the blue chip thing, which I was just saying, there is uh, something that I've really been failing at executing. And that is these um, teams that see each other a lot. There's a lot of insights we can grab from them and then we kind of extrapolate. And I've, the extrapolation is where I fail. So key example here, week one, Cardinals plus six and a half at Niners. One with the Cardinals, one of my best picks of the year. Why? They have an advantage over their divisional opponent, San Francisco. I will look to play on the Cardinals again later in the year when they replay each other. Kyler completely exploits what the Niners do on defense. He gives Sala fits. Sala is the best defensive coordinator by my, in my estimation in the entire football league. Kyler's mobility puts that guy on his seat and he does not know how to adjust with Kyler. But here's the key lesson. It's not just taking Arizona. It's the week two, week three ramifications. What happens? The Niners lose on week one. Everybody sees it. They were favored by six and a half. They lose straight up. Okay. The Niners might not be as good as we think. I bought into that rhetoric and bet on the friggin' jets the following week. No. What do we know about week one? The Cardinals had the advantage. The Niners were at a disadvantage in week one. I know it sounds hard to believe because they won the NFC last year, but they were at a disadvantage. You have to reset the deck the following week. The Niners actually should have been favored against the Jets by two and a half more points after I relook at that game. The bookies didn't even give them that a fair number in that game because they over-adjusted because they lost Arizona. Same exact thing happened the following week against the Giants, and the same thing happened to the Cardinals. They were the most overinflated team over the last three weeks. Why? Everybody saw them beat the Niners in a game where they had a clear advantage of the spreads back it up. The Arizona Cardinals have taken care of the Niners against the spread, I think, for the last six games. This is a division rivalry that you have to pay attention to. Another good one this week I think we're going to see is Houston-Jacksonville. People are going to overreact. Jacksonville beat Indianapolis week one in a division matchup. I don't know about this one. I think Houston has a lot of blue chippers on their team. I give them a huge edge. They have a lot of talent. And I think people are going to misevaluate the fact that the Jaguars are this divisional juggernaut when really – might have just had a great situational spot against the Colts in week one. Yeah. And those overreactions, I think those carry not just from like week one, week two, just, you know, in general, week after week, those are right. It's not just divisional games. It is. I think you can grab a lot from the teams that play each other twice a year. Like that yeah. Cardinals one was easy to sniff out because uh, it's so blatant. The Niners were the best team in the NFC last year. It's like, who did they struggle against? Oh, they struggled against Arizona in both games that they played, and then they lose straight up to them in the opening week. It's just like, clearly there is something there. And it's important because it's just like, I was foolish enough to drink the the juice and not realize like, wow, the Niners are undervalued coming off that loss. That would have been two easy wins for me uh, in week two, week three against the Giants and Jets. Yeah. And Coulter, you always, uh, you know, give us some insights into your thoughts with the, the talent on the field. 
So do you always use that when making your handicaps or is that something that you kind of look back retroactively to kind of make your picks, not validate your picks, but you know, how do you incorporate the talent disparity when making your picks? Oh, absolutely. You look at a game like Kansas city and the Raiders this week, massive talent disparity uh, in that game. Uh, besides Waller, I can't come up with a Raider that hits that top 10 thing. Uh, so that 12 and a half spread, I, I have to look Kansas city. I know I was one of, one of one last week of those big spread games, one with the Ravens didn't win with the Rams, but I'm going to keep being confident where I see that to your point where I see the talent disparity, I'm going to take the team that I think is really good. And I don't see how the chiefs can keep up with this high octane offense. I'd imagine that Kansas city is going to be upset that they were held such in check by the Patriots. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that regard, but I just don't see how the, the Las Vegas Raiders can keep this team down. Yeah, I'm going to throw out a free little ditty. It's, it's something that Rusty, who's been on this podcast, my dad always throws out. It's look for a good team off of a bad week, either a bad loss, a bad performance. You know, they snuck out a win when they should have blown out a team. He always looks for that one, and I, I do like that as well. A good team off a bad loss. And I'm going to do some research. I should have this for the pod, and I feel bad that I don't have it for the listeners. But I'd love to see what Mahomes is like against the Raiders to go off of that Cardinals and, and uh, Niners analogy because I think there's something to extrapolate there. I, I'm willing to bet that Mahomes has some sort of significant advantage over the Raiders uh, since he started playing. Definitely. So let me give you mine. I got two things to, for the listeners to chew on, okay? First is the lesson. And the lesson here, it burned me last week, is just don't bet – on the jets okay <laughs> i don't care if it's a money bet if it's like a survivor pool bet if you're in a league where you're you got your buddies you only make three bets there's no reason to ever bet the jets i know that this goes back a long time they've got different coaches they've come and gone their systems have changed i feel like anytime i need to trust the jets they let me down so i bet them last week we were talking thursday night game in new york third string broncos quarterback and you're thinking if the jets are ever going to win a game this year that's the one in our pool. They were getting two and a half points. And I was looking at some books where they were favored by a point. That's a big difference. You're swinging across the win gap plus three points. I'm like, this is a unicorn bet. And of course they let me down. So just don't bet the jets when you need it. If you're in a pool like us and you have to pick them, obviously you got to make a pick against them. Just don't bet on them with your money, folks. It's not worth it. <laughs> Yeah, I think also we kind of touched on it with the Bill O'Brien losing that locker room. Don't bet on teams where that is a possibility, you know. Um, it, I know it's hard to decipher because there's a lot of news and information out there, but it's pretty blatant to me that teams like the Jets and, and Falcons, have they're just listless at this point. Yeah. Now, Coulter, I want to ask you about this one because we do now have Bill O'Brien gone. There's an interim coach. <laughs> a lot of the times we see a bump from those teams. Can you expect the Texans to kind of rally around their new coach, given that it's a whole new system, even though it's a retread coach? Yeah, I was alluding to that with my uh, Jag or Jags Texans thing. I don't feel overly strongly to say that it's one of my key picks of the week, but I definitely am looking towards Houston because of that coaching switch. I think that's at least a point in their favor. Uh, get rid of O'Brien, get rid of the negative energy. So then you're putting it in the Vegas zone of five and a half, and then it goes to the talent thing that we went over. So. I do think Houston has a couple of advantages and I do think that coaching change can only benefit them. It can only benefit Watson. Uh, it can only benefit the offense because O'Brien had kind of hijacked their play calling and clearly there was some sort of mass mutiny. So I think the overall, the locker room has to be a lot better. Uh, with that said, I think there's an opportunity here to kind of do what we were just talking about with the Cardinals. If Houston does win this game and cover fade, 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 fade in the following weeks because <laughs> they will be overrated. Their new coach isn't that good to your point where we've seen Romeo Cornell. So this might just be a one week opening shot thing. I don't see Houston being more than four and 12, five and 11. I know they have Watson, but this is not going to be a team that wins a lot of games. This is a, this is a potential to hit lightning in a bottle type game. I think that's, that's my feeling with this Houston uh, Texans. And I could be way wrong and I could be back here on the pod being like, you know, I was wrong again, but I, I will say I, I'm going to hedge myself. I think they're a four and 12 team, but I do think this is one of the weeks where they kind of uh, explode and jump out because of that coaching switch. All right. I like it. So let's segue then to our bad coaches segment. So Bill is out last week. We had him as our number three worst head coach in the league. He is gone. So do you want me to run through my list real quick, Coulter? And then you tell me what you think. Go for it. Okay. Absolutely. 
Adam Gase is still number one. He is now firmly on the hot seat. If he survives past like week eight, I would be shocked. Okay, just shocked. Number two, Dan Quinn, because come on. I mean, not only have they lost multiple double-digit games, they got absolutely blown out by the Packers. Granted, that was a tough spot. Green Bay is a better team. Uh, number three, a guy who was not on my list last week, Matt Patricia. Welcome to the top three. You are on the podium. I have a stat here that I'd like to read out for you guys because it's simply amazing. And I bet the Lions last week. I, I was like, there's no way. Like, I do feel better. I, I I did read something that the the Lions I think were the most they were the most played team, uh, like by Vegas, like sharps or whatever. So that made me feel a little bit better that I wasn't on like the quote unquote wrong side. But this is I go ahead and read your stat. We could talk about what this team is doing to gamblers. Okay, so they have had a double digit lead three of the first four weeks. Okay, in week one they blew a seventeen point lead. Week two an eleven point lead, and week four a fourteen point lead. I don't understand how they've done that. And here's the interesting stat. This comes from Warren Sharp here. No team has blown more double-digit leads through the first four weeks in NFL history. I mean, it would be hard to do that, right? I mean, they have three in four weeks. I mean, you'd have to be a pretty exceptionally bad team to have four of those type of games. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the Lions erase double-digit leads like Patrick Mahomes erases them when the Chiefs are down. You know, he makes it look easy when the Chiefs are down 10. The Lions make it look really easy to go up 10 and then somehow, oh my God, they're down. Like, I was following that game on my phone because I was uh, in transit when the games kicked off at 1 o'clock, and I was like, oh wow, the Lions, good. I'm glad I had that pick. And then soon enough, I got home and they were losing 28 to like 10 or something. And I'm like, what in the hell happened to this team? Like, (laughs) just a train wreck. You know, I can't argue with you uh, on the, the coaching third ranking for him. Uh, let's hear the rest of the list. I do have one other guy who is kind of charging in for the top three. Okay, so I'm still throwing in now Anthony Lynn at number four here. They jumped out to a lead against the, the uh, Buccaneers. And I know you're going up against Tom Brady, but that's a game you got to win. Uh, and then number five, I still got to have him in here, Zach Taylor. I know he got his first win, uh, but... I, I was between him and Doug Marone as my last Yeah, I was going to say Doug Marone would be my guy who would challenge Patricia at the three hole only because I think Gase and Gwynn have accomplished their teams have quit on them type of thing season, which makes them, you know, nobody can touch them at one, two. I do think Patricia gets the third spot because I think the Lions just have a, a smidge more of that potential than the than the Jaguars do. But I do think Marone has to be four only because I feel like of the teams, I, the locker rooms that could be lost next, it goes Jets, Falcons, and the next two definitely are Lions and Jaguars, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Lynn has lost the Chargers yet, and I think the injury factor has to be considered there. They've lost Eckler, Ingram, uh, James. They've lost so much talent. And, they, I mean, they punctured their quarterbacks long, too. Right. I mean, that's why I've got Anthony Lynn on there. I mean, it's just the, the team. You are the head coach of the team. you got to oversee everything. Um, I'm but giving Joe, my guy Joe Judge a pass, obviously, because it's his first season. Uh, but if I can make an honorary nomination, it would be Jason Garrett. I have to go back on this. It's just unbelievable. I don't know why I talked myself into this, why I got just all, every media group was like, you know what? He's a former head coach. He might give a little wisdom to, to uh, Joe judge here. Oh my God. Their offense is so bad. I, I, I wish I could put a coordinator on the list. It is so hard to take the giants plus nine and a half. Cause as bad as that Cowboys D is. And as and much as I think Jones will cover it in the back door, I just don't know that offense is so listless. It's pathetic. It's sad. So I got another stat here. The giants now have gone two weeks in a row without scoring a touchdown. Okay. I think they've scored like 45 points in four weeks, which is embarrassing. But the stat is the giants have not scored a touchdown in consecutive weeks for the first time since 1998. Danny Cannell was under center. So maybe we just can't have guys named Dan or Danny as quarterbacks. We also had the Dan Brown uh, situation. So, I mean, I just, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. Wasn't, it, Dave, wasn't it Dave Brown? The Da Vinci code guy stuck in my head. So still no Danny's no Danny. I did want to, I did want to circle back to the chargers uh, real quick. Cause that was another game to go off my point about the division overreactions. They cover against the Chiefs in week two and probably what is the most impressive cover of the year, I would estimate, what happens after. Overreaction central, they lose to the Panthers at home, they lose to the they, they lose to uh, Tampa Bay last week, 
the Chiefs have gone on to obviously uh, obliterate the Ravens, and then they they did cover against the Patriots, although they struggled to do that. But so it goes and shows that there is just such an overreaction coming out of these divisional games where the Chargers have an advantage, clearly, just like the Cardinals have against the the uh, Niners. The Chiefs are a great team, but clearly there's something that the Chargers do that hinders that offense. I mean, it's just cl- it's clear as day. Yeah. Also, Mahomes is 3-0 at home against the spread against the Raiders, in case anyone was wondering. Well, I might just ride Mahomes <laughs> until he uh, until they fail. I might just ride Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, the rash and just rash and just injuries on the Raiders are just it's too attractive. He's going to pick them apart. Yeah, it's too tough. Now, before we look uh, at our standings and make our picks here, I think we got to bring up uh, what's going on in the NFL with the Corona test just kind of spiking with multiple teams here. Uh, the Titans, the Titans could be in big trouble here because as far as I just looked this morning, this line is off the books. You can't bet this. So Coulter, you're our insider, man. Are you hearing anything? Are are they going to play this game? Like what's going on? I actually read last night that this was the latest in the week because there's five games that were off the board as of last night. This is the latest in the week in Vegas history where they've had so little games on the schedule for people to bet. That's crazy. Um, so they're they're making history on a day-to-day basis out there in the desert with uh, taking stuff off the board. They don't want to be doing this clearly. I mean, the, they're in business to make money, and you can't make money if you don't have the lines. But I, I think the reason that I read was there is an insurance thing. So if they post Bengal or if they post Bills Titans and it gets bet on both sides, there is some sort of pay give on a tax and insurance thing. Uh, to the, either the government or the state, and the books end up losing money for posting a line that uh, nobody can win off of, um, and if you eventually have to take it down. So that's the reason why it's still down is because the minute it posts and the minute there's action on it, the minute they have to pay some sort of tab on the insurance tax side to, I think it's the state of Nevada. So interesting, extra cautious, and this COVID situation obviously creates a nightmare for them. I saw. Um pictures of Titans players violating the NFL's protocols. If they weren't supposed to be practicing together, they weren't wearing masks and they're getting more positive tests. I think as the days go on, are we simple ex- bills have to just get the win and they're five and zero. Oh, the Titans are three and one. I, I don't yeah. know unless the NFL has some sort of sneaky. Oh, we have an extra week in January where we we're going to be moving some of these games to. I think it's that simple, especially if the Titans are so flippant about it. I feel like the only way to get people to be serious is to dock them wins and losses. And quite frankly, learning from baseball, the only way to get through this thing is just keep it going. And 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 trying to punt around and have a team off for two weeks is the opposite of getting through it. So I think the most direct and, and rational thing is this game, if it's not played, Win for the Bills, loss for the Titans. Let's move on to week uh, six for these two teams. I think that's the only way you can go because if the Titans are going to keep, you know, flaunting the rules and getting guys sick and putting the season at jeopardy, you got to make some kind of uh, impact. And it's too bad because it's such a good game. And I know the NFL doesn't want to take that one off, but I I think that would be, and I don't want to be the person that's like an alarmist, but I definitely think that's just the most straightforward action. It says the most of the other teams, hey, you know, also to the Titans, I think they are above all. I know the Patriots have had tests. I know the Raiders have had a test. I know the Saints had a, a freak test that was a negative last week. And the Chiefs, I think, had one on their practice squad. But at the end of the day, the Titans are the only ones that have gotten the double digits. And they're the only team that's now inconvenienced. The, they inconvenienced uh, uh, the Steelers last week, the Ravens in three weeks from now. They've inconvenienced the Bills and they inconvenienced the Vikings, who they played the previous week because the Vikings couldn't practice. So that's an eighth of the league uh, that's been affected by their uh, negligence. So I think the only fair way to do that is just give them a loss. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Okay, Mr. Model, why don't you, uh, let's take it away here. Let's see how our listeners did in week four. Hopefully they did better than some of us. And uh, let's see how everyone's standing after four weeks. So entering week five, here are the standings. We have a tie for the lead right now, we have M. Cazalet with 12 points. Uh, kudos to Megan. And then tied with her, also in first place, we have the man, Ryan, at 12 points. You had a huge week last week to kind of catch up. Uh, also want to call out Hannibal R. Smith 2070. Both of you are at uh, a close second with 11 points. 
so this is uh, very tight up at the top. And then the last two people I'll just call out, Jomo and Luan are both in a close third at 10 points. So we have a bunch of listeners who are participating and things are tight. I like it. Getting heated. I love it. So listen, I told you guys I'd break late. Now this is a little earlier for me to start breaking. So hopefully I don't fade, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, and then should we just shoot through the five games that I've queued up in the app right now? Let's do it, man. It's week five. We're yeah. on to it. Week five. And assuming this game happens, I think it's one of the better ones this week. The first game that we have, Tennessee Titans are home against those Buffalo Bills. Tennessee is favored by minus one and a half. The second game, those Kansas City Chiefs are home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Kansas City is getting a has to cover a lot of points, 12 and a half. The third game, I just put this in because I could not resist. The Dallas Cowboys, Rusty's Dallas Cowboys are going against those New York football giants. Dallas is home. Uh, those giants are getting nine and a half points. It's, I, we will see kind of how that one turns out. I'll be rooting for uh, just mass chaos in any way uh, for that game. So that should be fun. The fourth game that we have Cleveland Browns are against the Indianapolis Colts. I think this is actually one of the sneaker, sneaky, better matchups that we'll, we have this weekend. Cleveland is home and they are the home underdog at two and a half. And then the last game that we have, I thought was kind of a fun one. Baltimore Ravens are home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Baltimore is favored by 13 and a half in this one. My guy, Joe Burrow, just covers spreads. I love it. <laughs> this week is a big test, though. That, that's a big number for them and a really you know, increase in, in talent that they're going up against. So we'll see how he does. Um, so, yeah, listeners, make your picks. Play along. We got a tight race. Be weary if you're in a survivor pool of the Ravens this week. Uh, there's something about that game that, after the learning from Monday night is if Burrow can get hot early, he's been a fourth quarter genius here. I know we've been calling him comeback Joe and cover Joe, but if he can execute as he's been doing in the fourth quarter, in the first quarter of this game, and they jump out to a, a shocking seven Oh, 10 Oh lead. Can the yeah. Ravens come back from that? And can they just keep adding to it? I mean, I think Burrow, I don't think he's on, you know, he's not in the top 10 yet, but I think he has the potential to be a top 10 NFL quarterback. And when you're a top 10 NFL quarterback, you can take the lead on the road. And then if you're zipping it in there, you can just keep building on it exactly how Mahomes did two weeks ago. And I know he's not Mahomes, but I, I don't know. I think Burrow is good enough where he could go in there and win the game straight up. So if you're in a survivor pool, I'd be wary about the Ravens in that divisional game. I don't love Zach Taylor. I think there's a huge coaching mismatch. I think the Ravens have a ton of edge in that regard, but. I just did want to point that out to the survivor pool people that might be listening. Yeah, great point. And we've been saying about that Ravens team all year, even into last year. Let's see, let's, and see what happens when they are down big. We saw it against the Chiefs, and who knows? It could happen this week against Cincinnati. Um, okay, it is time for us to make our week five picks. Mr. Model, why don't you take us away? Yeah. I'm going to call this a meatball pick. And a meatball pick, what I mean by that is, you know, how do you describe a meatball? It's meat in a ball. And you know <laughs> what you're going to get. All right. So you know what you're going to get with this pick. I'm looking specifically at Arizona minus six and a half against those New York football jets. This is a week, this is a matchup that we know what we're going to get. We know what we're going to be expecting out of those, those jets. It's going to be a bunch of just hot garbage. They do not have Darnold starting this week. They have Mr. Joe Flacco coming in and starting his first game this year. I totally agree with the sentiment that Coulter had alluded to earlier this week. It does feel like Arizona is a little bit inflated in terms of the line that they're getting for this, that they'll, that they need to cover. Currently it's, it's locked in in our pool at minus six and a half. It's, it's trickled up to actually minus seven and it looks like it's moving to minus seven and a half here shortly. So there is some value at six and a half, but to me, this is a team that I've gotten burned by the last couple of weeks, but I'm coming back to the well. I would really like to think that the offense gets it together for Arizona, can put up some points and uh, makes this one not close. So I'm going to be taking Arizona and hope that uh, Murray and company can put up some points and get things going here. Uh, and and one thing that you missed here, and, I, and I'm with you, is that the Jets are starting Joe Flacco. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget that, listeners. Now, he got a couple of snaps last week against Denver, but this Joe Flacco, 
does not have the old Flacco arm strength. Let's be honest. It's just not there. Okay. And one thing that Joe Flacco never was, was mobile. So now he's even slower and the Arizona defense, they've got some athletes. Okay. So all you really need to do, it's not like where you got to worry about even Sam Darnold. We saw him against the Broncos get out of the pocket and scramble. This is going to be a dead static pocket. You can pee off on Flacco. He doesn't have the arm strength anymore. And like we said earlier, the Jets are dead. They're under Gase with no life. So I love that pick. What do you think, Coulter? Yeah, you've got full agreement for me. Uh, this was uh, borderline best bet. I do like Arizona. Uh, I am concerned they haven't been able to put pressure on the quarterback as much as they were in, earlier in the season. Uh, if they can do that, this game will be a runaway. And no doubt, uh, potential for a key pick. It's all about Arizona putting pressure on Flacco because he, you're right, he can't move. If they can hit him five or six times, we might even be seeing the backup because I don't know if he can stay in the game. Uh, so it really falls on the Arizona pass rush to get after it early. There's no doubt in my mind that Arizona's offense has an advantage against the Jets. It's just get to Flacco. If he can get comfortable this six and a half, you know, it actually could be a close game. But so, but if they can disrupt early on, it, it's going to be a blowout. They'll win 40 to nothing. And I was watching last week with the, the Jets-Broncos games. Besides Quinn and Williams, is there even a, a like stud or even a minor star player on defense for the Jets? I, I don't think there is. No, they allowed 37 points to Brett Ripien. We lost Fant halfway through the game. I mean, the Broncos are missing a star at every level on the offense. I mean, we're missing Locke, Lindsey, uh, Sutton, and Fant, and we scored 37 points on the road on Thursday night football. Insane. So that says, that says yeah. everything you need to know about the Jets' defense. So we're in full agreement here, huh? Good pick, Mr. Model. <laughs> Thank you. Fingers crossed. Bad sign. <laughs> yeah. All right, Coulter, who you got? I'm going back to the well here on my first pick. It didn't work out well for me last week, but I can't ignore the fact that the Rams are playing football team against Kyle Allen, similar to the model picking on Joe Flacco uh, there. I'm going to pick on Kyle Allen. He was terrible against the spread last year. Um, I think this is the complete wrong spot to put this guy into. I know it wouldn't have been great for Haskins development either to go get shellacked by the Rams, but uh, give me the Rams defense with Ramsey and, and uh, Donald every day of the week over the, you know, Kyle Allen led uh, football team offense. This is not a great offensive team. They've got Gibson and McLaurin, but they are really shot in terms of talent. Uh, I know that the Rams didn't look like they were going for margin. They were kind of asleep at the wheel, but this is a team that does travel well to the East coast. Um, and all I think it takes is them getting up. If they, as long as they can get up by 10, I don't see how a football team can ever backdoor. Uh, so, I mean, even with a, a close to a backdoor situation, I feel pretty comfortable. If it's the fourth quarter in the game's 2010, I feel like the chances of Kyle Allen backdooring me are very, very slim. So I'm going to make this one my uh, first key pick of the week. Rams minus seven and a half. I, I love that. I love that pick. This is actually my key pick. For this week, I love that pick. I am all over uh, the Los Angeles, uh, the Rams at minus seven and a half. Um, one thing I'll call out: I actually think that it'll be a really interesting matchup for the Rams' offense against Washington's defense. Uh, Washington's defense is right now fourth in DVOA, so actually a very good unit. Something that we all know pretty well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if the Rams' offense can actually get some movement and get some points up on the board because I think that will determine. Uh, the outcome of this game, I just don't see much happening at all from Washington football team's offense. They're just going to struggle uh, is what I expect and hope. So, yeah, I, I love that pick. I'm all over those Rams at minus seven and a half and uh, we'll be rooting for them. That's my key pick for this week. I uh, I am also on the Rams here, but if I can play contrarian, little devil's advocate here just for a hot second. OK, the, Ra the, the Rams didn't get up at home against the Giants. The Giants have a absolutely lifeless offense, right? Kyle Allen's been in this system uh, before, and what we've heard out of Washington, one of the biggest reasons why they're benching Haskins is that he just was completely football illiterate. Couldn't pick up the system, couldn't make the pre-snap reads, and just was lost mentally in the game. Kyle Allen at least knows this system. I think he's, he's a better quarterback, so it, are they going to give you more points than the Giants put up last week against them? I think the answer is yes to that one. My other concern is, and I don't know if he's playing or not, is Chase Young. Because that defensive line is is filthy, even without Chase Young. Now, if he comes back, I think that's something to watch. Just because of this spread here is seven and a half. You've got that hook there. Now, I watched the Ravens-Washington uh, game. It wasn't a blowout. I know they covered, and there was a multiple-digit spread here. But I think 
Washington's defense is good enough to hold you into games. Are they better than the Giants' defense? I think the answer is yes. Is the Washington offense better than the Giants? I think the answer there is yes, which is pathetic. Yikes. So that's my only concern. I will say I'm putting all that out there as devil's advocate because I, too, am on the Rams. Yeah, and I, I think to your to the contrarian here, the other point I, I would put on the football team there, and you, you did present a nice uh, case for the football team, is the same reason why I kind of like Houston is like this is a season back against the wall moment, and I don't know if they've totally quit. And so, yeah, going to Allen, uh, to your point, they made the move because this is a football team. Football team is a football team that clearly <laughs> thinks that they can win the NFC East. Uh, and they're making this move with playoff intentions. They think it's the move that will get them to the playoffs. Uh, and so they do believe in this move. And so you're right to that point. Uh, there is, there are some angles for why you'd want football team there. Uh, I, I do want to just go with the Rams. Uh, I just don't see the talent disparity for me. And I think there is, you know, I think Rivera's done a great job and I think there's a coaching advantage there too. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, okay. So that was your key pick, right? Mr. Model. Okay. That's right. So for my first pick here, uh, you, Mr. Model, gave us your meatball pick. My yep. theme so far this season has been don't overthink it, right? Just what's what's staring at you here, okay? And I'm going in division. I am taking the Carolina Panthers at the Falcons plus two and a half, okay? We did this a couple weeks ago with the, the Chiefs and the Ravens, and we're saying why is the Chiefs getting points here? Well, to me, this is the case of the exact opposite. In what world are the Falcons favored against anybody? Okay. I just don't see it. They're lifeless. They're dead. I know they were just in Green Bay against a really good Packers team, but what offense do they have? What defense do they have? And on the flip side, Carolina has been playing pretty well. I think you're seeing a team kind of rallying around Teddy Bridgewater, who they like, around a new coach in Matt Rule. And more importantly, I think if you look at their offense, their coordinator, Joe Brady, is starting to use Bridgewater in really creative ways. I know they're without uh, Christian McCaffrey still, but they've been able to kind of keep that running back train moving. Um, my biggest reason for doing this is why would you ever take the Falcons and the points ever? I just don't know why that spread is two and a half for the Falcons. So I, I'm looking in division here and I'm taking points with a better Panthers team. Uh, yeah, I was, I was looking at that as a potential best bet as well. Yeah. That you hit all my points. I, the only thing is my only contrarian is, is it too good to be true with Carolina? But yeah. I, I think there is as looking at this slate, you can make a case for every team on either side of the spread com. I really think you might've nailed that the Falcons of all the 30 teams that are playing this week. And we'll see if the Titans game gets canceled or not, but I think they have the least case to cover their spread. I just don't see what it is. Um, I know Carolina's defense is young and you can give me the Matt Ryan, Julio Ridley combo takes, you know, takes advantage of how young they are, but this is a defense that's looked really well. Um, I know I love Derek Brown coming out of the draft. You guys heard me mentioning him a bunch. He has played exceptionally well for Carolina. So this is a young defense, but it does mean that they're a bad defense. You got to give credit to where credits do. They beat the chargers and the Cardinals, two teams that might've been overrated. Uh, but you know, those are two, Decent wins in my book. Uh, so you're right. I think the coach is heading in the right direction. I think the coach in Atlanta is he's one loss away from being canned and this might very well be that game. So take advantage of the opportunity. I'm going to jump on Carolina as well. Mm. All right. I'm going to come clean here. I'm currently on Atlanta. Or <laughs> Atlanta. This team. is an opportunity to gain points. I bet there's only five people in our pool that have Atlanta. This I is a great example where you could clean up and make points potentially you've been drinking yeah. the little john crunk juice i know yeah i don't know where i'm coming from with this one the line has shifted down from minus two and a half to minus two so it does seem like the initial money has been on carolina i think for me why i landed on this initially and this could be one that i definitely flop uh, flip flop on is uh dan quinn is fighting for his job um, Atlanta has played some decent games and then just lost some heartbreakers and they haven't covered or they've, they've covered the spread one out of, uh, the first four games. So I'm hopeful that they're going to kind of get back into the swing of things and actually get a win here. Uh, you know, their offense seems to be performing decently well, Matt Ryan, Jones, Gurley, et cetera, and team, you know, would like to see them continue. I just feel like the defense has been the unit that has really struggled for them. 
Yeah, Bridgewater seems to be playing better than what I would have anticipated for this year. I definitely don't like to see him. I've tried to bet against these guys a couple times, and it's burned me. I don't know. This is one that I, I do not feel great about. Now, I think one thing to keep an eye on, too, is I believe Julio Jones is questionable. So I, I think he might not play because he didn't finish the game out last week. So uh, that changed things. And what, what really stood out to me, with no Julio Jones in the second half, Calvin Ridley not only had no catches in the second half, he didn't have a catch in the entire game, which to me signals that their offense is kind of out of whack. I know they're going to be home, but uh, I, I don't know. Something about this line seems weird, and uh, I, I'm a believer in, in Carolina, so that's why I'm taking it. But, you know, not a, not a home run hit, but I, I like it. So that's my first pick here. Uh, we've got both Mr. Models picks. So, Coulter, why don't you take us away here? Give us your key pick. Yeah, I've, as I've kind of referenced, I've floated between using Carolina. Uh, I've floated between using Kansas City in this spot. I think we talked about uh, – who else did we talk about? Oh, I, you know, Rams obviously was my Rams. first pick. That's definitely one that I looked at. I am going to go – and I don't feel great about this, but I do think that they might be getting a little overrated coming off that Sunday night win against a terrible quarterback – I'm going to go with the Steelers minus seven and a half here. And this is, you were kind of asking me where, where you look for the talent discrepancy. I haven't done the full homework on this, but I'm just going to say point blank. I have not seen a bigger uh, discrepancy between defensive line front seven talent on a defense versus an offensive line this season. I think this is the biggest mismatch I've seen through the first five weeks in terms of up front. I think Pittsburgh manhandles Philadelphia's uh, offensive line. Sanders has struggled to, to gain yards against teams like the Niners who are injured. As far as I know, the Steelers are fully healthy. They're coming off a bye week. Uh, heads up, they also play in the most competitive division in the AFC. Browns won last week. Ravens won last week. They're motivated to win. This is an Eagles offense that's kind of a train wreck. This is an Eagles locker room like that two weeks ago I was saying is could be dead. I don't know if the win against San Francisco did anything uh, to change that. The only contrarian angle I can look at for Philadelphia's or two is that their defense is playing well, but is that more Mullins than anything playing against Nick Mullins last week? And then B, of course, they're in the running for the terrible NFC East and are highly motivated to stay in playoff contention, which we kind of hit on with Washington football team. But at the end of the day, at some point, it's just the NFC East teams are bad. You know, they might be motivated to win their shitty division, but like, let's be honest, Philadelphia doesn't have, they're missing three offensive linemen. And their quarterback hasn't played well. Football team is making a quarterback switch on a roster that doesn't have a lot of talent that was projected to only win five games. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like these teams might just be bad uh, and their motivation to win their division. We have to factor in, but it, it, it doesn't really necessarily matter that the Steelers might just be seven and a half points better than the Eagles. What do you guys think? Mr. Model, I know you were big on the Steelers. What do you think? I, I like that pick. I, I too am on Pittsburgh minus seven and a half year. I love the handicap. I like the matchup. I think Philadelphia is coming in uh, exactly like you said. They're coming in limping. I think that the offensive line is going to get absolutely run over this weekend. I will be shocked to see them put up any amount of points against the Steelers defense. I, I'm in full agreement. I like Pittsburgh in this spot coming off of a pseudo fake buy, uh, an unplanned buy. And I think they're ready and hungry to, to get some wins. Man, we uh, we are all in unison here. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm on the Steelers as well here. Uh, I think you made a lot of great points, Coulter. And, and one thing I do want to add to that is after the Niners pulled Nick Mullins, you saw C.J. Bathard, their third-string quarterback, move down the field and put up some points. And I, I honestly think if if that game you know continued or if they had brought him in earlier, I think the Eagles lose that game. So yeah. I, I mean, my, my takeaway from watching that game was that Philly was the better team because they had the better quarterback. Uh, but the San Francisco is injured and battered as they are, yep. had talent all over the roster. And right now, if, if you put Pittsburgh and San Fran on a neutral field, I'm going to take San Fran. I mean, I'm going to take Pittsburgh just because of how injured, uh, it is. But I mean, I like Juju Smith, Schuster, Claypool. I like all those guys. I mean, if the Niners skill position players could get going with Mullins, I mean, Ayuk has a rushing touchdown. Kittle has 15 receptions. If that, if those things can happen with Mullins on the field, I think with big Ben, if Juju can really start cooking, I don't think Philadelphia's defense is as good as it, it was perceived coming after out of that win. I think Mullins really made them look uh, much better than they are. I agree. And then the other thing I want to point out too, is that the, 
Steelers defense obviously is really good, but particularly their pass rush. And even though the Eagles got the win, I don't think you saw a really impressive performance from Carson Wentz. I still don't think he is, is, I I don't know if if he's just not going to be a good quarterback, if he's just going to be this average up and down guy, but I don't think he's back all the way. And you saw him kind of get out of the pocket and scramble against a very depleted Niners uh, defensive line. I don't think you're going to be able to uh, to do that against the Steelers because their pass rush is is really good, and you've got a, a really smart coach with Tomlin who's going to know that you can't let him out of the pocket. So I think you're going to see havoc from that Steelers defensive line. Yeah, I full disclosure to the listeners, I've been very cold giving these picks, but I do feel better uh, this week. I know I've went with two seven and a half point favorites to the hook, which means I'm probably going to go one and one. Uh, but I feel feel confident that I'll at least get a win in these two games because I just see a matchup uh, advantage with Pittsburgh against Philadelphia. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully these two win. Cause I, I've been giving out uh, too many <laughs> losers on the podcast, but I do feel <laughs> very confident that the Steelers cover the margin here. I think they've, we were, we were talking about at the top of the podcast. If you do the talent breakdown, I think they have eight of the 10 best players in this game. Yep. I think that's enough for me to take the points. I like it. So I'm with you here. Uh, for my key pick, I'm sticking with my theme, don't overthink it. And because of that, I am taking the Seattle Seahawks at home against the Minnesota. Ooh, Lakers. interesting. We're going head to head on this one. Oh, baby. I like to hear what you have to say about it. Um, my biggest reason is I'm just, I've reached a point where I'm not betting against Russell Wilson. I did it last week. I thought the Dolphins might be able to cover. Uh, they had a long trip out east to, to Miami. They didn't play sharp, but they came through when it mattered here. Um, I just don't think the Minnesota defense is very good. They're putting up a lot of points or getting points put up against them. You saw the Texans last week, a team that you know really struggled, was having locker room problems, uh, really came back in the second half and put up a ton of points. They even scored a touchdown at the end of the game that would have tied it that got called back. So I think there's a lot of holes in Minnesota's uh, defense, particularly against the pass. And what have we seen Seattle do? They've been lighting up the skies. They're, quote, letting Russ cook, and we're seeing it happen. Uh, DK Metcalf has emerged. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. Um, The biggest reason, though, is the Seahawks in prime time. They just don't They are good. I was going to say, my my play is definitely, uh, there's less of an argument because of what what you just put out. This this is a matchup nightmare in terms of, one team is ridiculously good underneath the lights. Seattle, I think, could be, I think, the best team under the lights in primetime. And then you've Kirk Cousins, who I'm sure you'll hit on in your handicap. He's terrible in primetime. Yeah. yeah, and thank you for bringing me to that one. I just have no faith in the guy. What we're seeing from Minnesota, their offense is running through Dalvin Cook. He's obviously a very good, talented running back. And Seattle's defense has holes, let's be honest. They're, they're, they're giving up a lot of points as well. I just think when it comes down to it, what you're going to see is do you trust Kirk Cousins to come back and put up points? Or do you trust Russell Wilson, who, if they've got like a three, four-point lead in the fourth quarter, to go down, have a smart drive, take up a chunk of minutes, and end up covering the spread and winning by double digits here? I got my faith in Russell Wilson. They're at home. I know that's not as big of a factor without fans, but still, that's an intimidating place to play. Under the lights, in prime time, give me Russ, give me Pete Carroll. Uh, and I just don't have any faith in, in Kirk here. Yeah, you, you did a pretty good job handicapping this game and it's definitely not a best bet for me. I think my big thing with this is I think Seattle is a overrated, uh, which we can all agree. I mean, they, they are playing at a high level and they deserve to to have the praise that they get, but I do think that there is a factor where everybody's going to be picking Seattle in this game. So I'm going to look the other way. And I also think, you know, it's very interesting you know, we've talked about great coaches on this podcast and Belichick is clearly head and above the rest. And Zimmer, I know has come into this conversation, but it's very interesting to me that Belichick didn't do against Seattle, what he did against Andy Reed on, on Monday night, which is play it close to the vest, keep it close. Cause going into that Seattle game, I ended up picking Seattle luckily, but I really liked new England because I thought Belichick was going to do exactly what he did against Mahomes, ugly it up, run the football, keep it close let the game kind of wind down quickly. That game ended so fast, that Chiefs uh, Patriots game. That yep. it was like a lightning game. I think Zimmer is going to learn from Belichick's mistake here. Don't go into uh, you know, a bazooka fight trying to imitate a bazooka. Try to bring it down to landmine level. Keep it close. Run the ball with Cook. You have another running back, Madison, who's running the ball really well. 
keep the time of possession in your favor, keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. I know you mentioned the terrible Vikings defense. It's actually been getting better. The decrease in total yards every single game this year from the start uh, to, to the last game, uh, they held the Texans under 400 total yards. And I guess the counter argument to that is could any of buddy beaten the Texans last week? No, right. they had the in, in fighting. So I don't know how much I want to take into account that win, but taking out that win against Houston, I still like Minnesota in this spot. Cause I do think they have two running backs who can keep the time of possession. Jefferson has emerged as a second receiver. So you have to throw out, uh, some of those early season struggles that they had on offense, particularly against Indianapolis, Jefferson was a non-factor. Now he is a factor. And I think Seattle's defense stinks. I like the hook there. Uh, I know Kirk Cousins stinks on prime time, but I don't know. I think this game, I think Zimmer's a good enough coach to know what he needs to do to keep this game close. I see it just as a very sloppy, close Sunday night football game. Also worth factoring into Minnesota is three and zero against the spread in their last three on Sunday night. Uh, so Kirk has kind of emerged here as a little bit of a prime time guy, uh, just over the last handful of uh, prime time games or Sunday night games in particular for the Vikings. Yeah, you brought uh, up a, a couple of things that I am worried about. The particular one is Justin Jefferson emerging. So we saw in the first, I think, two weeks. They weren't able to throw the ball because they were forcing it to Thielen. Teams were doubling Thielen, and you didn't really have any other options. But now that Justin Jefferson is coming along, uh, it certainly opens things up. And he's a guy to watch. Uh, I don't think any of us even you know, hit on him during the preseason rookie of the year. I think all the money was on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, rightfully so, maybe Joe Burrow. But I think you got to watch out for Justin Jefferson. This rookie of the year will, will ebb and flow for a while, I feel like, because you know, I feel like we haven't gotten the full – uh, I mean, CD lamb really did pop up, but I feel like we haven't gotten the full CD lamb picture yet. He will be in contention and I hate to say it, but I mean, burrow and, and Herbert are, are yep. they're probably just going to be the ones that run away with this thing. Herbert is really playing well at quarterback. I know they're one and three, so it'll be a tough sell, but I mean, Kyler won it last year. And I mean, as we've discussed, burrow is a covering machine and he got his first win. So I don't know. I think there's the two quarterbacks. I think ultimately will pull away from all these skill guys, but it's definitely a very interesting race. Uh, in the sense that it wasn't, it's not as clear as it looked at, at the outset with uh, Clyde, Edward, Clyde Edwards Hilaire versus Burrow. I think there's some other people that have definitely emerged. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, we're recording on a Thursday. Should we give the listeners kind of a free pick, a Thursday night spin them? Because I think there's a line, a little wonky action going on here. So what do you got for the Thursday was, night game? <laughs> I was going to say, if I, if I could give the uh, listeners any sort of insight on this game, I would, but I really don't have any. I think my, what I've been texting you in the model for the first couple days this week is I don't see the Bears um, keeping score with the Bucks in this game. I think their offense is kind of shot, and I don't like Matt Nagy. But with that said, covering the five and a half for Tampa Bay, I don't know how they can gain margin on a short week on the road without some of their offensive players are going to be down two running backs, two receivers. I do kind of wonder about that. And I do think Brady is a little overinflated coming off that five touchdown game. I lean, 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 lean bears in the points just because it's home for them on Thursday night, but I really don't like Matt Nagy. So I might flip at the last second to Tampa Bay. I think you've got every point that I was thinking. I just, I'm at a point where I can't bet Matt Nagy. I'm sorry. I just can't. After last week. I was going to say that. That's probably, if I end up on Tampa, it's just I'm going to look at it too long and be like, I can't do Matt Nagy any longer. Right. Because you looked at what happened when you brought in Foles in the second half of that Falcons game. You saw a different offense. But I think as you look back, that egg they laid last week is just, it, it, there's no excuses for that. And maybe now when you look back at that Falcons comeback, maybe it's a product more of a bad Falcons defense than it is a good offense. So, Matt Nagy, if he can't come through in this one, oof, I may never pick him again this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd like to think, uh, when I think about this game, the two best players, I think Brady and Mac, are going to be going at each other. And who has the advantage? Is it a 43-year-old immobile Tom Brady with limited receivers, or is it Mac against a quarterback who's notorious for ripping the ball in two seconds out of his arm? <laughs> This game is literally so confounding because if you break it down even to the most granular level like I just did there, it's like I still don't know who has the edge there. I could hear a case for both sides. Brady getting rid of the ball really quickly sounds like a great case for him. But it's like Mac does have an advantage because Brady doesn't have all his receivers. And it's on Thursday night. I don't know. And Brady's well, obviously, too. I'm glad you brought up Mac, too, because I, I was thinking about this now. I'm pretty sure he's going to be going up against a rookie offensive tackle on Tristan Wirfs. So. I, you know, 
they're going to have to help. Because you can't I, have I do like Mac in this situation. That's yeah. where I, I put, I think I put the bears just because I think they're giving me too many points and they've got a, an elite pass rusher against Tom Brady. And I kind of like seeing elite pass rushers destroy Tom Brady. I did want to give our readers just a quick little thing. I did a quick little research here as we talk, we were talking about Seattle and, and uh, you know, my handicap was Dalvin cook and Madison and, and time control, you know, not a single team, uh, has attempted with a running back more than 10 carries against Seattle. That's a running crazy. back. Fitzpatrick was the lead rusher. Cam Newton was the lead rusher. These teams are not running the ball. And you know, what's really strange about this is you look at the first quarter of that Cowboys game where Zeke only ran the ball for 61 yards. I should say Zeke is the exception. They did run it with him, but not nearly enough. I mean, if you want to beat Seattle, you have to run Zeke 25 times. Yeah. Right. Yep. They're doing half of that. So I don't know. I think there's an interesting there. I think if they get Cook and Madison going, if they each get to, if they get to 30 carries combined for 120 yards, Seattle has simply has not faced that yet this season. They've not seen a team actually run the football throughout the entire game. And what I'm looking at in their box scores is teams that have abandoned the run for whatever reason. I don't understand. I'm looking at the Dallas game that they were tied. I don't get why they abandoned the run in that game, but that's a trend or something to look at. I, I just thought about it while we were talking about Seattle makes me like Minnesota even more because this is a team that has not had to stop the run effectively for four straight quarters. Yeah, that definitely makes me uh, think twice about my pick, but my, my handicap and the reason why I sat in this one is Russell Wilson in primetime versus Kirk Cousins in primetime. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I don't I just, feel confident with Kirk Cousins in primetime. No doubt about that. Yeah, just got to let that ride. So we'll see. All right, Coulter, this is a good week. Mr. Model, I want to thank you. Uh, Hope everybody wins. Get your picks in, and let's cash some checks. Let's win some games. I was going to say, let's start. Let's start tonight with a uh, win on Thursday. It's always good to get started early with a win. I couldn't agree more. All right, bud. This was a good episode. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.